foundations. They're an interesting thing. You, you probably have seen on the television um, over the, oh, what was it, about three weeks ago, there was quite a big story on uh, <coughs> a, in New South Wales, uh, a big um, estate that had been built. <coughs> but a number of the houses in this state, in this particular street, all the backs of the houses were actually falling off them. And uh, because the estate had been built, or part of the estate had been built on a watercourse. And uh, when, it, when it all happened, well, the council says, well, it's got nothing to do with us. I'm not sure why they have planning departments. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the developers of the land said, well, surely we can't be at fault. Surely not. All we did was build them. A little bit before that, we had the storms up the east coast and we saw the houses that were built beautifully, beautifully on the beach. And as the waves came crashing down against that beach and took the beach back out to sea, it was taking part of the houses with them. Foundations are just so incredible. They're there as a rock-solid foundation for us to build on. And if we do the right thing, the building lasts such a long time. We look at some of those buildings in, uh, in the Middle East or in Greece and Italy that have been there for thousands of years. Why? Because they were built on a rock-solid foundation. I was reading about one particular building that, uh, that Solomon built. And the chief cornerstone, the one they placed there that really everything is measured and built against, was a rock that weighed 1,800 tonnes. 1,800 tonnes. Solomon, in his wisdom, given by God, knew that a firm foundation is so vital. What about us? We sit here and come and sit in church on Sunday. What What are our lives built on? What sort of a foundation have we built for our lives? Evan's Leading into communion here this morning, I'll point over here naturally to the communion table, isn't it? Old habits, and it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, the foundations that we build for our lives. Was there once a time that you said a little prayer? So the foundation for you coming here today is all built on the fact that I once said a little prayer of forgiveness for my sin and asking Jesus into my heart. Or maybe you're a person who your parents took along to the priest and you were baptised and then your days today, your foundation is built on that. But as Evan shared with us today, our foundation shouldn't be built on 
that which happened all those years ago, but on a daily walk with Jesus. Foundations sometimes have a starting point, but in our walk with Jesus, it's that daily walk. It's that relationship that is built on the cross of Calvary. But daily we walk with him. You see, back in in the day here that we read so beautifully, I hardly really need to say anything, Colleen, the way you read that. We all know what it's all about now. So thank you for that. But here was Isaiah speaking out about the children of Israel. Because they had forgotten where they had come from. And it's interesting in this chapter that he speaks out not only to against uh, uh, Samaria at the beginning, which was Israel, Samaria is the capital of Israel, but also about Jerusalem about halfway through the chapter, which was the capital of Judah. And he speaks out right across and he calls out the people because their foundations had crumbled. Absolutely crumbled. Now here was the God who gave them that land. This beautiful land. Built in this beautiful fertile valley. At the head of the valley was Samaria. The crowning jewel. Where the the capital was built. And it calls it. This, this ripe fig, that beautiful fig at the beginning of the season that you see and you watch it ripen and you can't wait to get it and taste it. Everyone like figs? Oh, I just love figs. Absolutely love figs. Fresh figs, dried figs, stewed figs. Don't care how they come. Absolutely love them. Love them. But the pride of the people had taken over. Amos was around only a few years before Isaiah. And he spoke of these people. And he talked about the fact that these people had summer houses and they had winter houses. Different areas. We know people who live in Victoria who do that. (laughs) Up to Queensland. During the winter, you'd be doing that, wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Summer houses, winter houses, they have beds of carved marble. They have houses of hewn stone. They have parties like no other. And alcohol is consumed more than water. You know, none of those things in themselves are a problem, except for the alcohol. Not the issue of the alcohol, but consuming it at such great rates. I know people who have uh, uh, houses in far north Queensland and one in here and as they've got older, they spend more time up there. But that's not the issue. They are godly people and that's not the problem. I know people who have a, a tremendous uh, ability for, um, for hospitality and the parties they, that they uh, have are wonderful. But they're not a problem. 
I owe other people who've got beautiful homes. And that's not a problem. But as we read it right at the beginning here, the problem was the pride that had beset this nation. I also have other friends with that as the issue, where pride has overtaken. Yes, they have the beautiful home and it's all about them. Yes, they have the incredible boat, but it's all about them and what they had done and the pride in their particular business. But I have others where they have the other houses and all the things and all glory comes to God because of what he has done over the years. So let's have a look here. Samaria. God is passing judgment on Samaria right now. And he tells them, you will be taken, you will go. There is no chance now for you. The Assyrians are coming and they are going to wipe you out. Why are they going to do this? Why are they going to do it? Because you have been overcome by your own pride. You have become a people that I just don't understand anymore. You are not the people that I raised you up to be. You are not the people that I taught. You are not the people who are living as the children of, of, of Israel. You have become, you have been overcome with pride. And in this pride, you have become drunk with your own self-esteem. You have become drunk with alcohol. You have taken, the, the priests have, have taken that alcohol into the temple and have been drunk as they have uh, laid out the table before me. Your, your officials, your prophets, it calls it here, but they're really the government officials like the judges and so forth. You have gone to the table of judgment and you have been drunk and you have become absolutely stupid in your judgments. You are not my people because my people do not act like that. Hosea, no, sorry, Micah, was the one who, or, who came and, and placed it into words and in, in a wonderful summary. Micah 6, 8, what does it say? Act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Now, here was a people who had a history that they could look to. Here wasn't a people who had just landed on their feet, as it were, in a beautiful valley with a wonderful city in which to live. What was their history? How could they look back? What would they see if they looked back? But they would see a God who had taken their forefather, Abraham. And he'd given them a great promise and said, I am going to make out of you a wonderful people, a people who will follow me, a people who will live for me, a people who will be an example for me around the world. A people, if they follow my precepts, I will lead, I will protect, I will take you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I will create in you 
an example to the whole world and show them that when people follow me, I will bless you. And if they look back and remember, they would remember that God took them out of Egypt and by way of miracle took them through the Red Sea. And as he got them to the other side, the the army that was following them was crushed by the waves. And as they went to the promised land, at the times when they were disobedient, God left them. But when they were obedient, God protected them. He led them. And we think back and we heard it, how we heard it as, first of all, in Sunday schools, the way that God went in against the other armies for the sake of Israel. And how often was it that they won not by might of their armies, but by way of miracle. Of course, you know, We all fight our wars with trumpets and jars of clay, don't we? I mean, that's always going to scare a mighty army, isn't it? But these are the sort of things that God did. And why did he do that? To be a long-lasting remembrance that it is he that wins the battles. For it to stick in the people's minds that it's not by their might that they win the battles. It's not by their might that they are safe. It is not by their might that they have come into this land. It is but God, by God's hand, that they are there. And the foundation that they could have with him leading them, is a protective barrier around them, always by the army of God. This is what he desired of them. But along the way, these people of God desired to be like everyone else. They wanted to live like everyone. Give us a king. We don't want to be under the rule of God. We want a king. And how did that go? Just have a look at the charts of the good kings and the bad kings. And even the good ones often finished badly. Oh, don't need water. So here were these people and they had forgotten their foundations. They had forgotten the God that led them and they were acting appallingly. And he says to Samaria, the capital, the capital of Israel, your king is so evil. Your prophets are so evil. Your priests are so evil. And they are leading you in such a way that there is now no hope for you. And they turn back to God and they say, 
Listen to the way you speak to us through Isaiah. Little by little, precept upon precept, line by line. Do you think we're children? Do you think we're children? What's God say? Of course you are just children. Because mature adults wouldn't act this way. You're living for the day. Isn't that what children do? Children don't plan. Children live in the moment. And they do what they want to do. And this is an absolute kick in the guts in so many ways to God and Isaiah. Because remember, these lines that they're using were the very lines that God told how uh, the, the, the children of Israel, how you teach your children. As you are walking down the road or you're sitting together, teach the children my precepts, line by line, precept upon precept, commandment upon commandment. Talk about the ways that I have led you. Isn't that what he said? And what is Isaiah doing to these people? He's trying to draw them back. He's trying to bring back into their memory, line by line, precept upon precept, about what God has done for them, about how he wants to lead them. And yet they throw it back in his face and says, who do you think we are? Do you think we're little children that you've got to treat like this? Go forward a few years. And what did Jesus say to the people? Unless you come to God as little children, humbly, and listen to him, and cast your cares to him and accept him, then you'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. As adults, we often come with every excuse under the sun, don't we? As adults, we come with this and that and cares and all sorts of things. But as children, as children, we just come. Because we know mum or dad can just fix everything. Isn't that right, Chris? Mum and dad can just fix everything. And that's the way we need to come before God. In humility. And listen to those little instructions line by line and be drawn back to him. And rather than looking at the things that we have as these people did, the crowning diadem that they had was their city and the pride in what they owned instead of their crowning diadem being God himself. They won't listen. And to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, he gives a warning. Jerusalem, he, ta- he changes his wording. He said, you could also be like this. But look what is happening to your neighbour. Look what is happening Judah, don't be like Israel. You see, Judah was a little bit different in that a good king, Hezekiah, had come to the throne. And he'd gone through and he'd broken down the places of worship to the other gods. One of the big things for for Israel was the fact, and of Judah, is that they had intermarried with with the peoples of the other nations. And in intermarrying, he allowed the the spouses to come in with the gods that they were worshipping. And they set up 
worship papers not only with the temple that were there, but worship places to Baal and the Asherah and all the other gods. And the sad thing was that in their drunkenness, they were going to the, the Jewish priests and they were still offering sacrifices to God and then they were going and offering sacrifices and in many cases human sacrifices to the other gods. I don't know whether you have heard of uh, listening to some uh, missionaries who've, who've come back and talk about people that they have led to the Lord in other, in other countries. And they'll come, even, even once they become uh, Christians, they'll come and they'll ask for prayer in some difficult circumstances. And they will leave after having that prayer and they'll go back to the witch doctor. And also, because they want the, 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 the double protection, as they say. We see when Christianity came into South America, we now end up not with a proper Christianity, but a mixture of the old religions and Christianity mixed together to give some sort of a, uh, a hybrid. And here these people were doing the same sorts of things. And you could imagine how God would feel about that. How would God feel about that? But he says to Jerusalem, don't be, don't be fooled by what's been happening there. Continue with me. I know that you have, in your own wisdom, rather than coming to me for your protection, rather than having look at the foundation that you should be on, you have now signed an agreement with the devil, that was Egypt. And here they had gone to Egypt to get protection from Assyria. Egypt was the last group of people you'd want to go to and sign an agreement. They were never going to do anything to assist the children of Israel. They were never going to do that. It was built, and it says here, it was built on lies and deceit. What firm foundation? Was there in signing an agreement, an unequal yoke, with a people who worshipped the sun? A created thing. And here was Israel who was supposed to sign, uh, supposed to worship the one who created the sun. God, the true foundation. Egypt, lies and deceit. Come on, Ken, which would you choose? <laughs> and yet this is the mess that they had got themselves into. But Assyria was coming. Assyria was going to come like a hailstorm. Have you seen the pictures of the storm that we had? It's over a week ago now. The trail of the destruction that went through there was horrific at its worst point. Last night we saw on, on the news um, a, a tornado had hit Auckland, wasn't it? Was it Auckland? It was certainly New Zealand. And it, this whole street was just an absolute mess with every house and every car 
was damaged. 40 ton um, uh, containers were just thrown through the air. And this is what the Assyrians were going to do, according to God. They were going to be like a massive hailstorm that came through and just trashed everything. And God said, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. You haven't listened to me. When I've tried to teach you, he says again to, uh, to Jerusalem, to Judah, when I've tried to teach you, if you've retorted back to me, here you are trying to teach us like little children. The retort back to God. You know, we, we know what our hearts are like as parents when our kids talk back to us. It wouldn't happen in your place, John, Josh, I'm sure. But if any of you may have ever had a child speak back to you, you know how you feel. And it breaks your heart, doesn't it? It breaks your heart. And all you want for them is the best. All you want for them is obedience because you're not trying to um, make them little robots. You're just trying to teach them and train them that if you do what mummy and daddy says then you will learn and life will be good. There's good reasons why you don't run across the road in the traffic. I'm not trying to stop you from having a good time. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to rebuild in you common sense. I'm trying to build within you wisdom. I'm trying to teach you right from wrong. So that the things that you do, you will be able to make good choices. And this is all that God, as the parent of this wonderful nation, was trying to do. And yet they push it right back in his face. Who do you think you are? Do you think that we don't understand and we don't have wisdom? Yeah, well, (laughs) you said it. But fortunately, Hezekiah was working away, working away at the people. He had a long way to go and the people were not following properly, but he as the leader came and fell before, and I won't take away too much from the the following verses, uh, from the following chapters for someone else, but he came and he repented and placed it before God. Here's the choices that they have. A firm foundation, relying on ourselves, making alliances with those around us, or looking to God for history. Which way would you go? Which way would you go? Remember years ago, um, a child had an accident, a child from 
MMM. And that child's mother was really quite distraught because the potential was that that child could lose an arm. And that that mum was sitting and chatting with Lee Minahan. And Lee's response to her was this. What has God's foundation meant for you? How has God led you in the past? What has he done for you in the past? Think of that. So will he lead you in the future. Has God been good? He will always be good. And that was a great comfort to her. I wonder how old you thought the saying was. You've made your bed, you've got to lie in it. How many people have heard that? Yeah. <laughs> you've made your bed, you've now you've got to lie in it. And yet here it is right here. Here it is right here. Where God says to these people, yeah, it's fine, you made your bed. But it's too long. They're too short. You can't lay down it even. And the sheets you've got, they're so narrow, they won't even keep you warm. What an incredible mess you've got. You can't even go and rest in your bed. You've made such a mess of your life. You know, God then goes on to talk to these people and say, I want to give you an example of the farmer. The farmer doesn't just keep ploughing the soil, uh, the, the, the soil all the time. He ploughs it, and then he harrows it to break up the sods, and then he creates rows. He has already set out his plan of where the various seeds are going to be. And he goes and places the seeds in their groups across that farm. And he grows that seed. And when it's all ripe, he then harvests it. And then he treats all of those various grains in different ways to get the seed from it so that that seed can then be used for its various purposes. And this is the way God wants to treat each of us. He's not bringing any, he sums up this. He said, I know I'm not bringing this punishment upon you because I'm a nasty God. I want to draw you back to me. I want to lead you. I want you to be my people. I want to treat you as individuals. I don't want to have your sacrifices for the sake of sacrifice. I want to treat you as I have created you. I want to lead you and make you the people that I designed you to be. During this last week, I was reading a testimony of a, a woman. She's about 75 years old now and, and uh, 
she's so looking forward to the end of COVID so she can get back into Africa. And because she's been working for years and years and years in, um, in, in, in the back blocks, if I can put it that way, of Zambia. And it was a great interview. And the interviewer said to her, but why? Why do you want to keep doing this? Surely at 75, you probably didn't mention her age. <laughs> I wouldn't have. But at 75 years of age, why don't you just now take it easy? You have done amazing things over there. And there's so many people there who've come to the Lord because of what you have done. <clears throat> and she said, because of Isaiah 45, 22. I'll go just a verse before it and then give to give a bit of context. Um, no, 20. Gather together and come, assemble you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods who cannot save. Declare what it is, what is to be, present it. Let them take counsel together who foretold this long ago, who declared it from the distant past. Was it not I, the Lord, and there is no God apart from me? a righteous God, a saviour, there is none but me. And then here is 22, the one that, she, that drives her. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. <coughs> By myself I have sworn my mouth has uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked before me, every knee shall bow. By me every tongue will swear. They will say of me and the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. Is that what drives us today? Do we stand on a foundation of a living, breathing God, of a relationship that we walk every day? Is that our foundation? It should be. Let us walk as God intended us to walk, not as people who are proud of our heritage, not as people who are proud because they go to Montmorency Community Church and we love to stand on doctrine. But remember Micah 6.8 because it's the antithesis of what we have here. But to encourage justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for the examples that we have there that teach us, that throw light on us and our hearts. Father, today, 
I pray that you would help us to take the lessons we have learned from the scriptures and apply them to our hearts. That our foundation will not be just on something that happened in the past. Our foundation will not be because we go to a particular church. Our foundation will not be because we believe that we have the right doctrine. Our foundation will not be because of the circles that we spend time in. But our foundation will be a daily walk with a living God. And as we walk this earth, our cry will be for justice. Our love will be for mercy as we walk humbly in a teachable manner with a loving, glorious, righteous God and loving Heavenly Father. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.